Welcome back to episode 24 of the Combat Review. In this episode, uh, we have a UFC Fight Night review, which is Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades for the first 20 minutes or so. Um, that is then followed on by a bit of a, a rant about the current state of the heavyweight division. Um, and then after that, I talk a little bit about WWE Elimination Chamber, and I apologize in advance. But you know what? It actually wasn't that bad. Um, if you could... Give us a like and a follow on Instagram or Twitter. That'd be fantastic. On Instagram, we are the Combat Review Podcast with all the underscores. And on Twitter, we are at Combat Review. Um, if you could also leave us a wonderful, wonderful review on iTunes and a five star, that would be absolutely fantastic. I hope you enjoy the episode and thank you for listening. So, this past weekend, we had uh, UFC Fight Night. Uh, Blades versus Lewis, which was live from the UFC Apex, as it can't be live anywhere else, obviously. <clears throat> um, this was an interesting card. I think, um, as far as the prelims go, they were pretty good. Um, I'll run through them quickly, but we had we had six prelim fights, and we had five finishes. Um so, Sergi Spivak defeated Jared Vandera versus uh, uh, by TKO. Uh, we then had a catchweight fight between Ayman Zahibi, who defeated Draco Rodriguez, who sounds like some sort of Colombian porn star. Um, we then had the women's flyweight division, which was Casey O'Neill defeating Shayna Dobson by TKO punches. We then had in the featherweight division, Julian Arosa defeating Nate Landwehr by flying knee. Uh, we then had in the bantamweight division, we had John Casten... We had John Castandana. My God, that's a, that's a mouthful. Defeated Eddie Wineland, who... I can't believe you're still fighting uh, by TKO punches. And then we had a catchweight, Jared Gordon defeating Danny Chavez by a unanimous decision, 30-27, 30-27, and 29-28. So that sort of wrapped up the prelims. Um, as we move on to the main card, main card wasn't too bad, to be fair. Um, a couple of really good fights on there, a couple of weird finishes um, Tom Aspinall, who's obviously UK heavyweight, um, he defeated Andre Arlovsky by a rear naked choke in the second round. This was a little bit weird. Um, the first, the first round of this was pretty much all Tom Aspinall, um, and it was all striking. And in fairness, it was pretty much all boxing as well. Um, but probably the last sort of twenty seconds, Andre Arlovsky woke up after eating. Um, quite a lot of punches. There was a point where Aspinall probably could have finished the fight, but he went to um, Arlovsky's body, which was a little bit weird. Um, I think if he'd have headhunted, the ref would have stopped it because Arlovsky wasn't down, but he was against the cage and standing finishes have become quite a thing recently. Um, and I quite like them, to be fair. Um, I think there is definitely room for a, a standing uh, a standing stoppage. I think when you think back to um, as recently as Holloway versus Cater, that that standing stoppage in the I think it was in the fourth round probably should have happened. Um, but sort of back to this fight, if Aspinall would have went to the head, I think the ref would have stopped the fight. But he went for body shots, seven, eight, nine, sort of unopposed, and then Arlovsky kind of 
moved and, and figured himself out. But uh, the last sort of 20 seconds of the round, Arlovsky came into his own um, and uh, landed a couple of good shots that sort of woke Tom up. Second round started, Tom pretty much went straight in for a takedown. I don't know what Arlovsky is doing. We, we need to remember at this point, Andre Arlovsky, right, is 42 years old. He's from Belarus. He's six foot four. He's 245 pounds. And he has been in the UFC since the beginning of time. Um, he is so experienced, yet he got up from this takedown with, with Tom still sort of attached to him, with his neck bolt upright in the air, and then wondered why he got choked unconscious, or not unconscious, got 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 tapped out. It was a very, very weird move from Arlovsky. Um, and, you know, you look at this fight and you think, okay, well, he didn't, didn't take that much damage. It's another loss on his record, but, you know, he can fight again. But I just, I, I don't know. It, it's tough for me. I don't know why he's still fighting. Um, I don't particularly want to watch him fight. I don't really want to watch him fight anyone. Um, you know, you look at his record and he lost five in a row uh, until 2017. Then he won two, then he lost two. Then he had a no contest against Walt Harris, which he actually lost, but then it was overturned because of weed. Um, then he lost again. Then he beat Ben Rothwell. Then he lost to Rosenstruck. Then he went on a two-fight win streak but against Felipe Linz and Tanner Bossa, um, who I hate. And then he's just lost against Tom Aspinall. So taking nothing away from Tom because Tom can only really beat who's in front of him. And he did beat uh, Arlovsky pretty handedly. Um, and, you know, he moves to 3-0 and in the UFC now and 10-2 and in total overall. Um he was obviously fought in Cage Warriors before that. And then before they had a couple of fights in Bama, the last time he lost was Bama 25. Um, and it was a it was a, a DQ to an illegal knee. So, you know, uh, you've got to go back to June 2015 to a heel hook loss uh, in Bama to, um, to find Tom Aspel's last real loss. So as far as that goes, you know, it's a UK heavyweight. We don't have um, many heavyweights. And, and, and this will be a theme as we go through the... The podcast is because this was quite a heavyweight stacked card. Um, and when you look sort of at the top 15, I really wouldn't be surprised if Tom Aspinall, when these rankings update, enters the top 15 because the heavyweight division is is thin, to say the least. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of names in there. It's just thin on talent. Like, none of them are any good. You know, you get to the top... You get to the top six and they're good. But even number six is fucking Alistair Overeem, who is, you know, a thousand and four years old. So there's a lot of there's a lot of promise for Tom Aspinall um in his career because the heavyweight division I've always had an on running joke with Mark uh, who runs the gym that I train at that you know if I just went if I just started eating and gave it a real good go. I could get in that. I could get in that UFC heavyweight division. It's uh, it's not great, but yeah, Tom Aspinall, good win for him. Uh, taken out sort of a legend, three and zero in the UFC. He didn't go and call out Derek Lewis or try and jump the queue, if you will. He called out um, one of the. Uh, he called out one. I think he called out one of the losers of the two fights. So obviously the Derek Lewis fight and the. Uh, Cyril Garn, Rosenstruck fight next week, or he called out 
Um, it might have been Overeem or someone like that. Someone sort of on the on the outskirts of the division. So he wasn't trying to bite off more than he could chew, which I quite liked. Um, but yeah, good good performance from Tom Aspinall um, and Andre Arlovsky. Come on, mate, hang it up. Next, we had Phil Hawes versus Nasu Nasurdin Imavov. Um, this was a weird fight because Phil Hawes is a pretty big wrestler and his stand-up ain't very good. Um, obviously, this is the middleweight division. Um, Imavov was uh, a pretty good striker um, and a really bad wrestler. So all Phil Hawes tried to do was obviously wrestle him to the ground and all uh, Imavov tried to do was outstrike him. Now, Imavov lost this by 20, uh, a majority decision. So it was 28, 28, 29, 28, 29, 28. Imavov had Phil Hawes hurt two or three times in this fight. And I don't know if he didn't realize it or he was too scared to try and finish the fight, but he could have finished Phil Hawes two or three times, 100%. You know, you know when you, you catch him with a decent shot and the, the leg does that thing and you go, oh, he's hurt. That happened a couple of times and Imavov did nothing about it. And then it went to the judge's, judge's decision. And he, I think he rightly lost. You know, it was close. But I had it 29-28 across the board for Phil Hawes. Um, and I guess that's just Imavov's fault. He had the fight in front of him. He had Phil Hawes hurt a couple of times and he just didn't pull the trigger. And now he's got a loss on his record and that's how it works. So, yeah, not the tidiest of fights, but quite entertaining. Next, we moved on to the heavyweight division, and this one was relatively painful. Um, Chris Daukus beat Aleski Olenek uh, 1 minute and 55 seconds into round one. Uh, I, I, I don't really want to talk about this fight that much because it makes me upset. So Olenek is number 10 ranked in the UFC. Excuse me. Um, is number 10 ranked in the UFC. And uh, Daukus isn't ranked at all. And I'm hoping that he now doesn't become ranked because he is horrifically out of shape, doesn't have many skills, and he was fighting an old, beat-up um, Russian dude. And I'm trying not to be nasty, and I know that didn't just come across like that, but um, when we look at Chris Daukus's record, he is... Let's have a look here. So he's he's 3-0 in the UFC now. He's fought no one. So he's fought Parker Porter, Rodrigo Nascimento. Yeah, I don't know who that is either. And now, obviously, Aleski Olenek. Now, Olenek, to his to his defense, um, is 43 years old. You know, he's not a spring chicken anymore. And Chris Daukus is only 31. I'm 31. The bloke looked 45. But Olenek, um, when you look at his record, it is patchy. You know, he has never put together more than a two-fight win streak in the UFC. Um, he's got losses to Curtis Blades. He's got losses to Alistair Overeem. He's got losses to Walt Harris. He's got losses to Derek Lewis. And now he's got a loss to Chris Daukus, who is the worst name out of all of those people. You know, Olenek is 43. He is 10th in the division, I think. Is he 10th? He's 10th in the division. He shouldn't be ranked in the top 15. That's what I'm talking about. You know, aside from the fact he loves a... Um, What's that bloody choke he does? He loves an Ezekiel choke. Aside from that, the guy's not entertaining. He doesn't bring anything to the UFC. He's 43, but he's ranked number 10. And he's ranked number 10 because the UFC heavyweight division is a bit rubbish. 
it's a bit rubbish. Top five are good. Top five are good. But the reason that heavyweight belt is defended once a year is because there isn't enough depth in the division to keep it going. It's probably not the champion that's slowing it down. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the UFC. Anyway, we'll come on to that a little bit more later on. The next fight was in the featherweight division, and this was a very good fight. It was Derek Minner versus Charles Rosa. Um, Derek Minner won by unanimous decision, 30-26, 30-27, 29-27. The 29-27 was a little bit of a weird one. I'd be interested to see which round they actually gave to Rosa. Um, but uh, he is one and uh, two and one now in the UFC is Derek Minner. Um, and this was a very, very impressive performance. I think he trains with J James Krause, um, and I really, really enjoyed this fight. Derek Minner did a very, very good job. Charles Rosa was very well prepared. Um, it, it was a good fight. It was a decent fight. Um, and if, you know, you're looking for a decent fight of this card to go back and watch, I would recommend that one um, and not Chris Daukas versus Alessi Olenek. Um, the next fight on the card was Yana Kunitskaya versus Ketlin Vieira. Um, this was a catch weight, 138 pounds, and Kunitskaya won by unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Um, pretty lacklustre-ish. Um, there was a pretty decent cut that happened in the fight, um, which was which was pretty nasty for um, those sort of watching and, and eating their evening dinner. Um, but uh, the fight itself was okay. You know, it, it was just kind of a little bit, it struggled to get going a bit. Um, this was a catch weight because Vieira obviously missed weight. Uh, but yeah, I'm not too sure why this was the co-main event, if I'm completely honest with you. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Then we moved on to the main event. Now the main event was Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades, which I'm pretty sure you know by now. Spoiler alert, Derek Lewis won by knockout. Now, um, this, this is a funny one because Curtis Blades is pretty boring to talk to. He interviews pretty boringly. Most of his fights are relatively boring. He's got a couple of TKOs in there, um, but he does like to wrestle and he, he got a lot of um, negative press from Dana White and from people because he likes to wrestle. Um, and I personally don't mind a wrestler as long as they're entertaining. You know, if you're Chael uh, or you're overly effective like Khabib, you know, I'll, wa I'll watch you fight. If, if you're boring and then your fights are boring, I don't want to watch you fight. Um, but uh, obviously, his last loss came to Francis Ngannou. It was a TKO, which uh, most fights are when you fight Francis Ngannou. He does actually have a victory over Francis Ngannou, but that was a sort of a doctor stoppage. It was a bit of a funny one, and it was in Croatia. No one remembers it. Um, but anyway, I digress. So when I look at Curtis Blades, he's actually... Um, better than Derek Lewis's. And I know that's a weird thing to say, considering that Derek Lewis just beat him. But Curtis Blades is better than Derek Lewis. Curtis Blades is better than quite a few heavyweights. But if he fights Derek Lewis 10 times, I'm convinced Derek Lewis wins 10 times. And I know that logic doesn't quite add up. But as far as I'm concerned... Curtis Blades is better than Derek Lewis, but Derek Lewis wins that fight every time. Um, Derek Lewis did almost nothing in the majority of that fight. Um, Curtis Blades looked pretty decent on his feet, 
Derek Lewis looked like he didn't really want to be in there. And I spoke about this on the last podcast is when he doesn't turn up, that's when he normally loses. And he's in there and he doesn't really look like he wants to be in there. And he even said in the press conference afterwards that he couldn't really get his head together. He couldn't really get going. He couldn't really concentrate. He, you know, came out of the, of the first round and he still wasn't really with it. And Curtis Blades is... is um, confidence grew on the feet. He didn't really get cocky, but his confidence grew. And he was doing okay on the feet. But the very second he went in for a takedown, Derek Lewis killed him. He killed him. He hit him with an uppercut that stiffened him immediately. Uh, Curtis Blades hit the canvas in the same position that he went for a takedown in. And then Derek Lewis landed two more shots. And that was it. Well, it was actually it the second he landed the uppercut. But Herb Dean was um, was not close enough to stop it. So, and this is another thing. After the, um, after the fight, I think it was Kevin Ioli. He always sticks his oar in. And he asked... Derek Lewis, he said, oh, you know, those uh, those two punches at the end weren't really necessary. And this this irritates me a lot because people in the media will ask this question to try and get a rise out of the fight. I don't know, what, what, what are they trying to get out of asking that question? The answer is you fight until the referee tells you to stop. If the referee hasn't told you to stop, you keep fighting. You can stop. But then we've seen instances in the past where the referee says, oh, I didn't stop the fight, carry on fight. And it just, it happened the other week. Herb Dean didn't stop a fight. And uh, both fighters stopped. It was very, very weird. Um, and then they had to keep fighting. And then they someone landed a, an elbow and the fight still looked like it was okay. Then he stopped the fight. It was just a bit of a mess. So as far as I'm concerned, you fight until the referee stops you. If the referee does not stop you, it is the referee's fault, and the people in the media should go and ask the referee. They shouldn't sit there and ask the fighter why he kept fighting when that's what he's told to do. In the in the the changing room before, you're told to protect yourselves at all times and fight until the referee says stop, and that's it. You don't even fight when the round ends. You fought, You stop. You don't even stop fighting when the round ends. You stop fighting when the referee tells you the round ends. If the referee doesn't tell you the round ends, you keep fighting. That's how it works. So, yeah, that's my two cents on that. Um, but impressive performance by Derek Lewis. Um, I think that was the last fight on his contract, or he has one more after this. Um, so he needed to win that really to get a decent uh, a decent contract. I think the UFC will definitely sign him up considering that the lack of depth in the heavyweight division. Um, he is now on a four-fight win streak since losing back-to-back to Daniel Cormier and Junior Dos Santos. He has beaten pretty much everyone in the division. You know, when you look down, he's beaten Curtis Blades. He's beaten uh, Junior Dos Santos. He's beaten Volkov. He's beaten Francis Ngannou. He's beaten uh, Tybura. He's beaten uh, Olenek. He's beaten Ivanov. Um, he's beaten most people in that heavyweight division. So he hasn't fought Stipe. He hasn't fought Rosenstruck. He hasn't fought Alistair Overeem. One thing that was a little bit odd is Derek Lewis uh, hasn't fought Cyril Gain either. But Derek Lewis called out Alistair Overeem after that, which I thought was really weird because that's like stooping down. It's almost like Derek Lewis doesn't really want to fight for the belt. And you look at Alistair Overeem, who is, you know, 
can't put more than a two-fight win streak together. Just got TKO by Volkov and really looked like he wasn't interested and didn't even want to fight. And uh, Derek Lewis has gone and called him out. And even when you look at the rankings, you know, Stipe is number one, or Stipe is the champion. Francis is number one, and Francis is going to fight Stipe. After that, John Jones has got the got the shot. So Curtis Blades, Rosenstruck, Derek Lewis are stuck. You know, they're, they're, they're all stuck. I don't know what they're supposed to do. So they're going to have to keep active. So what Derek Lewis has done, I guess, is call out Alistair Overeem, who's someone he knows he can beat. He's a big name. And, you know, he'll put he'll beat Alistair Overeem and then have a five-fight win streak and then make his case for the belt. I guess maybe that's what he's thinking and that's how he's going to try and get his way to the winner of Steve, well, I suppose the eventual winner of John Jones and whoever wins out of Ngannou and Stipe. Um, but it was a very interesting thing. It was a bit weird. I, I, I guess that's the only reason that he's done it. But really impressive performance by Derek Lewis. No, actually, no, not an impressive performance. An impressive result. The performance was actually crap. Um, but that's the same as, as many of Derek Lewis's fights. And he's obviously interesting on the microphone. He's funny. People want to watch him fight because he just knocks people dead. Um, you know, very, very interesting guy, Derek Lewis. 36 years old. Um, you know, has been in the UFC for quite a while. Um, I like Derek Lewis. I do like Derek Lewis. He has been in the, he's been in the UFC since 2014. He's had three, six, nine. He's, he's had about 16, 17 fights in the UFC. So, very impressive result from Derek Lewis. Uh, call out for Overeem was a little bit strange, but I guess we'll see what happens with the slow, slow heavyweight division. I don't feel like my rant about the heavyweight division um, is sufficient or finished. So, I'm going to have another crack, if you don't mind. Um, I guess and I, I, I had a bit of a moan about this on, on YouTube as well, but... The heavyweight division, the reason I think it gets um, – the reason I think the belt is defended once a year is not because Stipe doesn't want to defend it. Um, we obviously remember when DC was the champion, he only defended it about once a year. Um, and when you go back before DC, uh, obviously it was Stipe again, but before that it was Fabrice Overdoom. Um it just doesn't get defended that often. It just doesn't. And I think the reason for that is they look, take one look at the heavyweight division and go, oh, slim pickings in that division. Okay, we'll slow it down a bit. You know, maybe every nine months we'll, we'll, we'll do a heavyweight fight or something like that. And I think when you look down the top 15, it only really speaks to that because Francis Ngannou, yes, Curtis Blades, yes. Rosenstruck, yes. Derek Lewis, yes. <clears throat> Alexander Volkov, yes. Alistair Overeem, oh, not anymore. Not anymore. Cyril Garn, mm, I don't think so. Shamil Abdurakimov, who? Agosto Saki, who? Alessi Olenik, 43-year-old Russian who can't win more than two fights in a row. 11, Walt Harris. No. 12, Junior Dos Santos was the heavyweight champion nine years ago. 
13, Blagoy Ivanov. Who? 14, Sergey Sergi Pavlovich. Don't know who you are, mate. Number 15, Marcin Tibura. And when you compare that to, I don't know, the middleweight division where I can tell you every single one of their those fighters. I could I could tell you all of them. I can tell you when they last fought. The lightweight division. I can tell you when all of those fighters last fought. I know who they all are. Even welterweight to a certain degree. Yeah, even welterweight, we know. Light heavyweight is a little bit rough. You know, we've we've discussed light heavyweight and it's very similar to heavyweight. And it seems that the the heavier you go and the higher up you go, the worse the talent gets. And to be honest, I don't really know why that is. You know, you look at, uh, you know, the flyweight, uh, the lightweight division, welterweight division, uh, the featherweight division. These divisions are stacked. You know, they've got contenders coming out of nowhere. The featherweight division has just got talent seeping through. The heavyweight division, it's just got nothing going on, you know. And even in the UK, I'll struggle to name you another UK heavyweight outside of Tom Aspinall. It's tough. So I think the heavyweight division, you need to look for big guys. You know, they should. I mean, I guess they're looking. <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming that Sean Shelby knows what he's doing and that Dana White has told him what he needs to do. It's just, it's quite obvious if you look, if you know what you're looking for, or even if you just look at it and you look at the the landscape of that division, it's quite obvious that the talent pool is a bit lackluster. It's thin on the grounds and outside the top five, no one knows who you are. And that's not my fault. You know, I watch the UFC every weekend and I don't know who those people are, which means the UFC is not doing a very good job of promoting their talent. Either the talent isn't worth promoting, which is what I suspect, um, or it's the latter and they're just not very good and they're not very interesting. So I just I just need to get that point across that the heavyweight division, however good Stipe is, and he is very good, however good Ngannou is, and he is very good, outside of those five or six names that I mentioned, the rest of the division is trash. WWE had the Elimination Chamber this weekend, and I know that sometimes it pains me to talk about WWE, which is why I don't do it that much. But I'm going to do it now, so shut up. Um, so John Morrison defeated Elias, uh, Mustafa Ali, um, and Ricochet in a fatal four-way match. And the winner joined the WWE United States Championship match on the main card. Uh, we then had uh, Daniel Bryan defeating Cesaro, Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, King Corbin, and Sami Zayn in the Elimination Chamber match on SmackDown. Uh, then Daniel Bryan went straight into that match with Roman Reigns. So the winner of that got a title shot against Roman Reigns, who, of course, came out with Paul Heyman. Um, Roman Reigns defeated Daniel Bryan pretty quickly um, by technical submission. Um, and retained his WWE Championship. Then Edge came out of nowhere and speared Roman Reigns and proclaimed that he would uh, challenge Roman Reigns to 
uh, WrestleMania because obviously Edge won the Royal Rumble, so he gets to pick who he uh, matches up against at WrestleMania. And he's been teasing for a while. He's been going around NXT and Raw and SmackDown and things like that. So now it's going to be Edge versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which I quite like. Um, I like Roman Reigns as a heel. I like Edge in general. Uh, Edge was always one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, so I'm pretty happy about that. Is Edge going to beat Roman Reigns? Probably not. If he did, it might be a bit weird. Um, but, you know, if he does and wants to go on a run, I'm, I'm all for that. But I don't really see it happening. Plus, the WWE title always changes hands at WrestleMania. So I think perhaps this time they won't have it happen. Um, then we had the United States Championship match and Riddle. For some reason, they call him Riddle and they don't call him Matt Riddle anymore, which is so weird. Um, defeated Bobby Lashley and John Morrison. So John Morrison obviously winning the earlier match in injected himself into this match. Bobby Lashley was the champion uh, and Matt Riddle actually pinned John Morrison. So Bobby Lashley didn't actually get pinned and he lost his United States Championship. Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler defeated Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks for the Women's Tag Team Championship match. No one cares. Um, Drew McIntyre then went into the Elimination Chamber as the champion and defeated AJ Styles, um, who comes out with that scary black dude, Omos, um, who literally does nothing apart from chokeslam people and, and, and move around. He, he doesn't even talk. Very weird. Um, Jeff Hardy, Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton, and Sheamus. So Drew McIntyre retained the WWE Championship there um, in a pretty good match. And then after that, the cage got lifted. Bobby Lashley came down and beat up. Drew McIntyre, which I still don't quite understand why that happened. Um, MVP did say something on SmackDown a few weeks ago that he would have a hand in Drew McIntyre losing the championship. So maybe that's why they did it. But it's unlike WWE to think that far ahead when they're planning storylines. They're just not very good at that sort of thing. Um, so Bobby Lashley came down, beat up Drew McIntyre. The Miz's music hit. The Miz ran down, cashed in his Money in the Bank briefcase, and pinned Drew McIntyre. And The Miz is now the reigning, defending, undisputed um, WWE champion. Look at that. So um, that was actually, in fairness, a pretty decent event as far as events go. Um, I watched the majority of it this morning, kind of sped up a little bit. Um, I didn't sit and watch the whole event just because they're quite hard to sit through sometimes. Um, but this one, in fairness, didn't look too bad. There were some good spots in both chamber matches. Um, and obviously having uh, the winner of one match go into another match and then having the Daniel Bryan win uh, in the chamber and then go in against Roman Reigns uh, and then having Drew McIntyre defend his championship, but then Miz cash in. There was a lot going on. There's lots of talking points. Um, so that probably made it a little bit more interesting. But that is the Elimination Chamber roundup. Obviously, Monday Night Raw is tonight, um, and then SmackDown is on Friday. I, I probably won't talk about them unless something really interesting happens or you really want me to. Um, but, yeah, Elimination Chamber went pretty well. We are now well on the road to WrestleMania. Um, and that, when is WrestleMania? Should we have a look? When is WrestleMania? like me a bit of normally the wrestle wrestlemania and the royal rumble you gotta watch uh yes so it's uh, i don't know why they do this saturday the 10th of april wrestlemania starts and it's being held over two days into sunday the 11th of april 
So um, I guess uh, all of the matches confirmed at the moment are Roman Reigns versus Edge for the WWE Universal Championship. And that's it. Um, I think Bianca Belair obviously has her choi- uh, choice of which champion she's going to face, but no one really cares about that. So, yeah, not a bad show. Not a bad show. I quite enjoyed the highlights. Um, and we will see what happens from here. Um, I might tell you about it. I might not. Okay, that was episode 24 of The Combat Review. As I said at the top of the show, you can follow us on Instagram at The Combat Review Podcast with all the underscores. You can follow us on Twitter at Combat Review, and you can now uh, watch us on YouTube at The Combat Review Channel. Thank you very much for listening, and I will see you next time.